seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And now verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Father, we thank you. Breathe and breathe upon your word. Let your word be engrafted upon our hearts. Let your word take root in our hearts. Let it bear fruit. Holy Spirit of God, anoint this word and glorify the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. In the first beatitude we took from verse 3, we said that the poor in spirit is called blessed. In other words, poverty of the spirit is an attitude we must adopt in our relationship with God. And that attitude is to consider ourselves, that is, the poor in spirit, is to consider himself, we are to consider ourselves utterly helpless outside of the grace and mercy of God if we are to inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
Then the second beatitude will learn that those who mourn for their sins and the communal sins around them will be comforted by God's forgiveness. When we say forgiveness, we are talking about the forgiveness that brings God's peace, that passes all human understanding. Those who know to grieve over their sins are those who can sense or understand the kind of grief that the Almighty God, yes, the kind of grief that the Almighty God feels over sin. And that kind of grief that the Almighty God feels over sin is captured in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and verse 6. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and verse 6. I'll read it from the New Living Translation. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on earth. It broke his heart. You see, when we talk about blessed are the morning, blessed are they that morning, when we realize what our sins do to God, when we realize that our sins break the heart of God, we go into mourning. We go into mourning. The scripture says it broke his heart. It broke God's heart. The sins of the people broke God's heart. When we realize that our sins break breaks God's heart, what do we do? We go into mourning. And what is sin? Sin is disobedience. Sin is doing the opposite of what God wants you to do. That is sin. When you realize that each time you walk in disobedience, it breaks the heart of God, you go into mourning. Those that don't mourn are those whose hearts have become hardened. Now, we did mention that the entire goal of Christianity, the entire goal of Christianity, is not to be rich. The entire goal of Christianity is not to get married. The entire goal of Christianity is not for you to have a high-flying job. The entire goal of Christianity is not for you to be famous, which is what a lot of people believe that Christianity is all about. The entire goal of Christianity is to be like Jesus. It's to be conformed to the image of our Maker and our Master, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. For God knew his people. God, through foreknowledge, birthed us, brought us to being, and he chose us to be like his son. Another translation says, he chose us to be confirmed to the image of his son. That is the reason why God birthed you and I, to be conformed to the image of his son, so that his son would be the firstborn born among brothers and sisters, you and I. I believe it is in, in, in pursuit of this goal that Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 extended an invitation to us. Matthew 11, we'll read it from verse 28. Even though it's verse 29, we read. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am what? Meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. So Jesus was saying here, be like me by taking upon yourself my yoke. Learn about me. One major thing to learn about me is that what? I am me. If you want to learn about me, learn the fact that me, that is leading you, I am a meek person. No, meekness has a way of simplifying life. And that is why I say, or Jesus is saying, my yoke is meek 
and it is easy. Now, to understand what the Lord Jesus was teaching here, we must first have a grasp of what meekness is all about. Who is meek? What is the character trait that is associated with meekness? Meekness involves being mild and gentle. The attitude which prefers to bear injuries rather than return or retaliate a wrong. Did you get that? Meekness involves being mild and gentle. It is that attitude which prefers to bear and suffer injuries rather than return or retaliate a wrong. Vengeance. Meekness consists of a flexible, yielding heart that wills to do the will of God. Meekness consists of a flexible, yielding heart that wills, always wills, always is eager to do the will of God. Now I must say this, weakness, meekness, sorry, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not timidity. On the contrary, meekness is a gentleness of, of strength of purpose. To put it another way, meekness is strength under control. Strength under control. You see, the, the undiscerning always will interpret meekness as a lack of backbone or, 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 or one who has a vacancy of courage in his heart. That is what the undiscerning thinks that meekness is. When they see meek people, they think they lack courage. They think they don't have spine, they don't have a backbone. And that is not what biblical meekness means. Meekness is a quality frequently exhibited by exceedingly strong people who do not use their strength or power to crush others or to bring them down. On the contrary, meekness is not something exhibited by the weak. Meekness is something exhibited by the strong. A prominent example in the Old Testament was Moses. Moses, Moses interestingly was believed by some people to be weak. Some of the people he led thought he was weak. At one time, Miriam, his sister, challenged his leadership. At another time, Korah, Gethan, and Abiram challenge his leadership, and they challenge his priesthood and that of Aaron in Numbers chapter 16. But yet, from another perspective, we know that Moses was one of the most powerful men in human history. He used the power that God gave him with what? With gentleness. I see too many Christians, too, too many Christians, who are unable to put their power under control. When Miriam challenged Moses and God descended on her, the same Moses was the one who went to God and pleaded for God's mercy. The same Moses. All he could have done was to urge God on that your father, whatever you may call God, please just deal this, with this woman. Teach her a lesson she will not forget for her life. But on the contrary, he was one said, God, have what? Mercy. This is a lesson that will silence her forever. Never again in her life for her to dare to challenge me. No, that's not the way he saw it. Again, when Gethan, uh, uh, Korah, and Abiram challenged him and challenged Aaron, and in their challenging him, what did they do? They won some followers after them. What did Moses do? Moses went to God and said, ask God, why would you follow followers who are following somebody? Because he probably has been brainwashed them. 
Why would you kill them with them? Why don't you separate the rebellious, the conspirator, the leader of the team from them? And God said, okay, I'll give them another chance. Those of you who want, who are yet to hear, oh yeah, move out from the camp of these people. And they separated themselves. Moses did not say, God, deal with these leaders and the followers so that in future, people will learn not to follow conspirators. <laughs> and I was joking, was it two weeks ago? When Jesus was on the cross, when they were kneeling, people came to see, it could have been raining curses on them. You know, I read the Benin. <laughs> so I used the Benin language last year. When you see the way Benin people talk who are, who are unregenerated, you will understand what I mean. Praise the Lord. It is not weakness for those in leadership to be causing the followers. It is not. Why? Because you must understand that not everyone will necessarily serve God with the same passion as you do. Not everyone. Not everyone. Not everyone will serve God with the same zeal as you do. Not everyone. Another thing exhibited by leaders that is very, very anti-meekness is insecurity. Insecurity in leadership comes from an absence of meekness. Comes from an absence of meekness. It's because they do not know that as a leader you are not necessarily the best or the most talented. That is why leaders are insecure. They think that they are leaders because they are the best. They are the most talented. No, you are a leader because God chose you to be. Simple. You are not the best. I will fool myself to think that in this church, I'm the most gifted. I will fool myself to think so. There are so many people who are seated, who have not spoken a word, but give them the opportunity to. They will do better than I will. When you find that people under you are more talented or better in certain respects, don't crush them. Encourage them. Encourage them. Because you know what? Their gifts and talents can only enhance your leadership. It will not diminish it. Don't always be one that always wants to be the one shining. Let others shine. Let others shine. And also a wise subordinate also knows that there are other qualities to leadership apart from skill and talent. You must be wise enough to know that. They say a wise follower submits his skills and his talents for the leader to use. If a follower does not know how to bring his talent and skills under control, the word is under control. I do not say you should hide your skill. Put it under control. If you are not able to do that, it clearly indicates that when you have power, you will not be able to put it under control. And that is why I keep saying, you, it is near impossible to be a good leader if you are not being a good follower. There was someone in the New Testament far stronger than Moses, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And yet it was said of Jesus in the prophecy of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 42 verse 3, that a bruised reed he will not break. Do you know what that is? How many of you know what a reed is? A reed is a water plant that is so weak, so fragile. Jesus as mighty and almighty as he is, the Bible says that reed, eh? The one, not just that is a reed that is weak, but a bruised one that has been caught a bit, that is just any small touch, it will fall off. That bruised reed, Jesus will not break it. As delicate as it is, and as mighty as he is, he will not break it. You know, to demonstrate, that, to, to, to demonstrate that Jesus was not weak, he often responded to the Pharisees and the scribes strength for strength to show us that he was not weak. 
You know, he always countered and defended the gospel. He defended the gospel fiercely. In the Bible, anytime he encountered the Pharisees, he encountered the scribes. He defended the gospel. He matched their wisdom with superior wisdom. Just to tell us that he was not a weak man. But when he encountered people who were broken and lonely because of their sin, he ministered to them with gentleness. With gentleness. You know, there are lots of people who are outside and like what they see inside here, but are afraid to come in because they think we will judge them. They think we will judge them, so they are afraid to come in through those doors. Not just for this church, but for most churches. Why? Because we are too prime and proper. We are too judgmental. We are too harsh on people who are not like us. Sometimes people who have also managed to step in have been driven because the brethren was too tough on them. You must not wear tight this. You must not wear trousers. You must not do this. They are not where you are yet. Let them be. Let them be. People grow at different pace. If I tell you my story and me standing here, you will not believe it. I gave my life to Christ and I drank for a long time. A long time. If people had driven me out and condemned and judged me, I would not be standing here today. When the time came, I gave it up willingly because I have come to the place of understanding. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, admonishes us by saying, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, ye which know better, restore such a one in what? In the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Let him that thinks he stands do what? Take heed lest he falls. I tell you, every one of us is standing by grace. <laughs> the reason you are standing is because there is a temptation that has not come to you that will sweep you off your feet. And pray doesn't come to you. That is why he says he will not give you more than you can bear. Don't think you are standing. <laughs> is the grace of God. Let's make room for people who are not as perfect as us. Let's make room for the imperfection of others, whether those outside or those inside. The scripture says, who are you to judge another man's servant? Make room. Make room. What do you do? I can don't, don't get me wrong. As a pastor standing here, it can be very frustrating when people are not developing at the pace that you want. It is most frustrating. But what should you do if you are such a person who is also frustrated? Find yourself and yoke yourself with people who are like you. Leave those to come up at their own pace. Our Lord Jesus Christ was a paragon of meekness. He was an embodiment, an epitome of meekness. Yet, no one has ever mistaken him for someone who is weak, or someone who is spineless, nobody. Meekness, therefore, will represent those who have a great deal of strength, but are characteristically gentle and controlled in the way they manifest their power. There are always 
they are always using their strength with great humility when required. That is a meek person. They never allow their strength to intimidate or crush the weak. And that is the problem with the church. You can fast. Glory be to God. But don't condemn those who cannot fast like you. Ah! I waited seven days without food. What are you doing? You must go into fasting. Wait on the Lord. Wait on Him. Seven days. What everybody can be like you? I prayed all through the night. Five hours I stood. Zaka, zaka, zaka. Uh-uh. You can't even pray for one hour. It's good to encourage you to pray, but not everybody can be like you. They are always using their strength in great humility. You know, there's this story. There's this story. I've told it once in church. There was an accident, a vehicle accident, that happened on the road somewhere. And the accident was pretty serious. And some people, as the accident had gathered, they brought out the victims and were trying to resuscitate them. People gathered, you know, they were filing, so we were trying to. So there was this medical student who was nearby and heard it was an accident. And he started coming, very good zeal. Go out of the way, I'm a medical student. So that they will give him way so that he can go and see what he can do. Go out of the way, go out of the way. I say, go out, can't you hear me? I'm a medical student, I'm the one who has a solution. Go out. And people were giving him way, giving him way, until he got to the victims. When he got to the victims, there was an elderly man who was over one of the big victims. And he said, Baba, are you not hearing me? I said, I'm a medical student. Go out of the way. And the Baba just turned to him and said, I am a soldier. Strength under control. You know, the word an officer and a gentleman, have you ever heard that word? Was coined from meekness. Oh, he's an officer and a gentleman. He's an officer and a gentleman. You know, you see people who are fighting. You see them, we see them all the time. And you see them, they are making threats to each other. You know who I am. You know I will deal with you. You know who I am. <laughs> ah. Who are you? When you see seasoned officers, it makes power to be sweet. He's not here. I don't know whether he will listen to this message. I'll get flattered. We have a general in the church, an army general. But you will never know. You will never know. Sometimes people like us want to make us trouble because we have a general. <laughs> you will never know. You never know. You know, you, you go. These are things we see in Lagos. In an accident scene, somebody brushed somebody's car, removed the bumper. You see them come out. How dare you? I will deal with you. You did this one. And you see them bring out phones on road, on the road. And then I've always wondered, who are they calling? Is it the governor? Haven't you seen it? Somebody brushed your car and they are arguing. This one, you are for yourself. Okay, okay, you see them phone. They, they are pressing on the road, highway. I was always, when I, my wife and I, I would say, who are they calling? Is it the president? You know, there's this thing they say, empty vessels make the loudest noise. When you see people who have power, they don't talk much. They don't talk much. They don't. Some of you may have lived with neighbors who like making trouble all of the time. 
because we have a policeman, a senior policeman as a brother, or a military man. How did you come across such people? They like making trouble. When everybody says we should go in this direction, they are the ones who say we will go in this direction. And they are ready to fight. So that they can show everybody that I, I know people in power. And I hope none of you are like that. The way you are quiet. <laughs> the Bible says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The meek are submitted to God's will in God's way and will pay whatever price is needed to ensure that God's purposes are accomplished. You know, you can submit to God's will, but not, not in God's way. The meek submits to God's will and in God's way, the way God wants it. Humility is a vital ingredient and expression of meekness because it is constantly, constantly looking up to God for approval and endorsement. The weak person is constantly looking up to God. When they want to do anything, God, do you approve of this? God, is this okay with you? That's the Christian life that God has called us to do. Not to do things carelessly, indifferently, not caring what God thinks. The meek person always is concerned about what God thinks about what he's doing. Do I have your approval? Do you endorse this thing I'm doing? So meekness, meekness is therefore being willing and ready to make yourself of no reputation. It doesn't matter what people think. That is the mind of Christ. Christ made himself of no what? Reputation and importance. Too many believers are too concerned about their reputation. While it's not good to have a bad reputation, don't however be fixated on reputation. Be more concerned about what? Character. Why? Reputation is what people think of you. Character is who you are. A lot of people think of us to be who we are not. But at the end of the day, what will matter is who we are when we stand before God. Do everything to build character. Character formation. Let that be your priority, your major goal. When you are fixated on reputation, you become what they call men pleasers. Let them say good of me. Let them think good of me. Our Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated humility by choice and not by one imposed by force or by circumstance. No. He, he demonstrated humility by choice. Brethren, I tell you, if you have met people with power who are meek and humble, it makes the aroma of power very sweet. Do you hear me? If you meet a powerful person who is meek, power is sweet. One reason why that man at Redemption Camp is endearing to a lot of people is his humility. As powerful as he is. That's why people love him. I remember years back, I won't call his name, I don't know. Well, you may never hear this message. Years back, as a young and upcoming person, younger upcoming person, somebody I know was made the CEO of a bank, Sandwich IBTC. Okay, since I've already said it, Nika Samuel. 
So we were friends. I, I did things for him before he became the CEO. So while we were talking, I just I congratulated him. Oh, I went to see him in the office. I went to see him in the office to drop a document. I congratulated him. And I invited him out for lunch. I wasn't expecting he would agree. I invited him for lunch. I said, oh, sure. When? And I said, um, from my head, I just read it. Tuesday next week, you look look. I said, that's fine. What time? I said, 1 p.m. It's OK. Where? I said, OK. Maybe somewhere near you, that's not too far. Radisson Blue. I said, perfect. I got there that day about quarter to one. Not up to two minutes after I got there, he was there. The CEO of the bank. We sat down for close to an hour and chatted. You know, as a young person, all you are thinking in your head is, how can I hammer this guy down? What will I do? What bricks will he give me? What, how can I enter? Openly, he chatted eight. And when we finished, I wanted to give my hands in my pocket. He said, no, 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 no. I said, no, I'm the one who invited you. He laughed. I said, do me the honor of being the one to pay for this. And he paid for it a few times. And he left. I have not really gained anything much from him out of that meeting. But I can tell you, I'm satisfied and full. Because the respect I have for him is beyond what words can say. There are people like him who are made not MDs, executive directors. If you see them walking, all they are saying is everybody, clear out of my way. Just like that student doctor. I say, clear out. Don't you know an ED is coming? Don't you know an... That's what they do. You will see it from their attitude. When you call them, ah, ah, ah hello, hello, hello. I'm very busy, I'm very busy. Please, uh, I'll call you later. When you see people who have power and are meek, the aroma of power is sweet. A lot of people think that arrogance makes them more important, but it drives people away from you. A lot of people think that arrogance is what gives them significance. Oh, it diminishes you. There is strength in meekness. Moses was very meek, but the secret was that God led him in all his moves and his decisions. Yeah, what made Moses great? Everything he did, what did he do? He goes to God, what should I do? Not what you want to do, not what you feel like doing, not what looks right to you, but God, what should I do? And that was why he was a great man. So meekness is the result of the constraints of God through the Holy Spirit. Too many of us Christians are not constrained at all. We are what they call loose canons. Do you know what it means to be constrained? To be constrained is you are able to stop a sentence, mid sentence. Because as you want to say the next word, something says stop. And you realize this does not please God and stop. Some of us are like what they call them. What's this machine gun? Assault rifle. Once the mouth opens, you must finish. And you finish it and you feel good. Say yes. I've done well. Meekness is the result of the constraints of God through the Holy Spirit. A meek person is constrained, under control, not a loose cannon. You don't talk anyhow, you don't do anyhow. You don't do what makes you feel good. You seek what makes God happy. Thank God you are in a church like this, oh. <laughs> because when we get to heaven, a lot of us will be so surprised to learn that what we think is Christianity is not Christianity at all.
practicing God's constraints in our daily lives is always that valid evidence that our flesh is being crucified. We practice it. We practice constraint on a daily basis. A Christian that is not in the habit of practicing the act of constraint is not ready to start. Being constrained is the proof that your flesh is being crucified. Paul said, I die daily. Don't be nobody self-defensive. Before somebody says you have started defending yourself, why don't you let, let God be your advocate? Stop being defensive. As I said earlier on, you learn the habit of stopping a statement needs sentence. You want to say it, but you have that check that says don't. You stop. You stop. And somebody says, what were you trying to say? Say it now, say it now. Never mind. Never mind. Case closed. You practice being insulted and smiling. Somebody insults you, smile. Just smile. You don't have to retaliate. That is not Christianity. Smile. You know, in a church service, the pastor was preaching. And I think he asked a rhetorical question. I want you people to be alive. Talk to me, talk to me. And somebody raised his hand. Pastor, you are just talking, talking rubbish. Your, your message does not make sense all the time. I don't know why I'm here. You know what the pastor said? Just smile. Please pray for me. Pray for me to become better. Ah, some pastors I know, thunder don't fire you here. How dare you? <laughs> they will use language in the church that you will not believe. Say, please pray for me to become better. Pray for me. Don't always give fire for fire. Take a deep breath. Practice self-control. And you practice it to people, particularly to people you know, ordinarily you can crush them. That is where restraint is. All right. you, you, you don't see <laughs> somebody told that story that uh, he went somewhere and he saw the wife arguing with somebody and he came out there, you out there, he wasn't looking. And by the time he now decided to just look, he saw the man, see the muscles, see the bicep. He said, no, what I mean is that she's at fault. That's what I'm just trying to say. I'm not trying to upset you in any way. I'm just trying to say she's at fault. Please, don't do that again. He changed it. That is not meekness, though. Hope you know that. <laughs> that is not meekness. He saw the one that passed him. <laughs> man passed man. He knew that if he continued, Maybe you will go down six feet. Okay? So you respect yourself. But meekness is when you see the one you can crush, you choose not to. You choose not to. You choose not to. But some of us are both ways. The one that can crush you, the one that can crush you. That one is lack of wisdom. That one. Then this one is lack of humility. Lack of wisdom. Because you die before your time. You know, being able to do these things is where strength lies. That is where strength lies. It doesn't take strength to, to realize people. It doesn't take strength to get provoked. That is a natural tendency of every human being, to get angry and to be provoked. But to be able to hold your provocation is where strength is. To be able to hold your anger is where strength is. It doesn't take anything for anybody to be angry. Don't take anything for anybody to, how do they say, to vogue or to para? Don't take anything. That's natural tendency. It doesn't take any wisdom. But to be able to hold back, that is where strength is. Yeah, when you hear them say, near the crease, or with the crease of my family, what is that big deal? Ability not to crease is where the strength is. It requires strength to control anger. 
it requires. And again, I must point out that it doesn't matter the perception of the people around us. They are mockery of our perceived weakness should not be a reason why we should change course. Because people think you to be weak is not why you should prove to them that you are strong. Not necessary. Weakness, I must confess, can be a tough act. Particularly in an area where we have a lot of strength. It can be a tough act. The tendency is to show people outside who appear to be weaker. That's the tendency. You know, during Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he do? He showed great restraint in the exercise of his spiritual authority and power. We see this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 50. I'll read it. Matthew chapter 26 from verse 50 to verse 56. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hands and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into its, into its place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father? and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. But how then shall the scripture be fulfilled? That thus it must be. In, the, in that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves? For to take me, I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hand on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. You know, there's something often overlooked in this story. Do you know who Jesus was addressing in this story? Hmm? He was addressing Judas. Yeah, he said, and Jesus said to him, friend, where, friend? Where are thou come? Where are you coming from? Because he came with those who were going to arrest him. He was addressing Judas. Notice that our Lord Jesus Christ still had the inner strength to call Judas his own betrayer, friend. Somebody you know was intent on taking you to the place of death. He called him friend. It takes enough strength to do that. We call him friend only because what was happening was in God's perfect will. But in God's perfect will. Through meekness, Jesus showed me incredible strength in the face of great adversity. Meekness enables us to be angry for the right reasons and not for the wrong reasons. Have you noticed reading through the Bible that Jesus' anger was never, never against personal injustice? His anger was always against evil. His anger was never against any personal slight to him, but against evil. To be angry for the right reasons and not for the wrong reasons, particularly when it comes to personal slight and disrespect, is a new height for each one of us to attain. Too many of us are too sensitive and we create too much respect from people. People will 
usually not join hands to serve God and to serve people because they do not want to be respect, disrespected by anyone. I hear that all the time. I don't want anybody to talk to me anyhow. Meanwhile, the two major things that God called us to was to love God and to love man. How do you love God and love man? By serving God and serving man. Serving people. Jesus told his disciples, mm -hmm. it's not by sitting at the head of the table that makes you hear. It's by doing what? Serving. You don't become master by being boss. You are master by what? Serving. The world has to restructure their thinking. And that attitude of the world is very strong in the church. And this is what we are trying to take away from the church. For us to understand that the ways of the world is different from the ways of God. They run counter-opposite to each other. John Wesley said this. Let me read it. John Wesley said, The meek shall inherit the earth. You know, I talked to the workers about inheritance this morning. The meek shall inherit the earth. They shall have all things really necessary for life and godliness. They shall enjoy whatever portion God has given to them here on this earth. Now and then, hereafter, they shall possess the new earth wherein dwells righteousness. You see, the, the word inheritance will suggest that something can only happen after the death of the testator who wrote the will. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Well, the only one person saying yes. Whenever you are talking about inheritance, it means that somebody who is bequeathing an inheritance must have died first to you who is inheriting. Does that make sense? Good. There must be the death of a testator before you can talk about inheritance. Our Lord Jesus Christ promised us the gift of the Holy Spirit, but only after his glorification. Are you seeing where Bible is tied to Bible, scripture to scripture? Hmm? Listen to him in John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37. I'll read it to verse 39. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So it was with the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit was given after his death as a bequest to us who are the believers. What am I trying to say? The Holy Spirit is the one that produces diverse rivers of living waters to provide abundant life and strength for God's children through faith to manifest the quality of meekness. What should we do? The ability to be meek comes from the strength that the Holy Spirit gives. So make that your prayer from today. Because if you are to have an inheritance with God, meekness is important for you to have. And for you to have that meekness, begin to call on the Holy Spirit to put meekness in you to produce meekness through you. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Apostle Paul in scriptures admonished us to walk in the spirit so that God will bless us. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and uh, verse 23, 
which was written by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. What's the next one? Meekness. Meekness. Temperance. Against such, there is no law. Meekness is a fruit, is a product of the Spirit. And also for this reason, like I read earlier on, Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, he which are spiritual and restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. When we rail at people, when we charge at people, when we have uncontrolled anger, it is only an indication that we have little or perhaps absolutely no presence of the Holy Spirit in us. When you are full of the Spirit, you will be controlled by the Spirit. So what should we do rising from today? Is go to God and say, walk this thing out in me through your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. The power to live the God life comes from the Holy Spirit. I would always say, the life we have been called to live is not the life that we have by default. What is the life we have by default? We have the Adamic nature. We have a tendency to do evil. To pay eye for an eye. To be uncontrolled in our lust. To be free to do what we want to do, whatever makes us happy. To gratify the flesh. That is the natural tendency of man. But the life of Jesus is a controlled life. We saw it now. Somebody who brought people to arrest you, to kill you. He said, my friend. He didn't say, God will punish you. Don't worry, when they give you, we'll talk about this later. We'll settle this matter. You know what better for me. No, didn't do that. My friend. In other words, Jesus called him my friend. In that if it was possible for Judas to be restored, let him be restored. That is why he hung on the tree, on the cross, and said, Lord, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. To live that life, because it's not the life that you and I have all ordinarily, is for the Holy Spirit to help us live it. If you are not asking for that, and all you are doing is asking for promotion, I'm not saying it's bad to ask for promotion. All you are doing is to ask for Range Rover. I'm not saying it's bad to ask for Range Rover. The only problem is that when we meet God, Range Rover counts for nothing. Promotion counts for nothing. Your wife counts for nothing. Your husband counts for nothing. What counts is whether you conform yourself to Jesus. That's what counts. That's what matters. And that is what all of us at some point will give an account of. May God help us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Shall we rise to our feet? If you are here and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, that act of surrender is an act of meekness. You know why? The reason people do not readily surrender their lives to Jesus is because they feel they have so much that they can not even afford to give up. How can I give up my freedom? 
How can I give up the fun I'm having? How can I give up my intellect? How can I? He's not asking you to do any of that. What he's asking is, yield yourself to me so that I can use all of those things you have for my own glory. If you are here, you have not yielded your life to him. You have not surrendered your heart to him. One major act of meekness you will perform and exhibit this morning is to lay your life before him and say, Lord, come and take over. I'm tired of my strength and running on my foil. I want you to be the one to fuel my life going forward. I want to derive strength from you going forward. I want you to help me to lead the life that you created me to be. If there's anyone who's making that decision, is anyone, if there's anyone who's saying to himself or to herself, I want to live the life that God has created me to live. I'm not living that life now. I just want you to wave at me. I just want you to wave at me. All I want to do is pray with you wherever you are. I just want to pray with you. That's all. So that you can begin this journey. This journey of a life of eternity with God. It begins from the day you give your life to Jesus Christ. Is there anyone who says, Jesus, come into my life? Come and be my Savior. Come and be my Lord. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all other things shall be added unto you. Serving God is not in any way saying you are going to live a life of poverty. No! Oh, there are people who have made incredible riches serving God, and that is what God wants to make us. Okay? But He wants you to handle wealth for the right reason. Oh, there's the good life in Christ. But he wants you to have the good life for the right reasons. If you're here and you know deep down in your heart that if you were to drop dead now, you would not make heaven. This call is for you. Just wave that hand at me. There's nothing to be ashamed about. I standing here and most of the people who probably at your right and to your left, they've taken that decision. And God brought you to church today. For you to take the decision. Do not walk out of fear because of pride, because of shame, because of what people will think, and you lose your appointment with eternity. If you are here, just wave your hand for the last time before we pray collectively. Hallelujah. I just want you to lift up your voices and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the blessedness that comes with meekness. Thank you, Father. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for your word. Thank you for opening my heart. Thank you for giving me a teachable spirit. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. May my life not remain the same again. From today, let it be for the better. In the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to repeat after me. O thou spirit of the living God. Who dwells in my heart? I yield to you this moment to grow the virtue of meekness in my heart. In the pattern of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that his meekness can be manifest through my own life. Please help me. Help me not to hinder you in the exercise of meekness, in the practice of meekness. And grant this my heart's desire, for I pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, I thank you for every one of these, your children, who have yielded themselves to you this moment to grow the virtue of meekness in their hearts after the pattern of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray, every one of us, beginning from now, that the meekness exhibited by our Savior and our Master 
be manifest through each of our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. You have brought us, O God, to become light in a world that is covered in darkness. Lord, cause our lights to shine. That men will run to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God.